Welcome to Critical Cactus, where we talk about prickly subjects. Well, this might be the best part of the show. Why don't you turn the recorder on? I'm going to go straight from coffee to Coke. Wait, am I evil, Adam? <laughs> Obviously. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I'll forget you exist. That's fine. <laughs> Welcome back to Critical Cactus. Hi, I'm your host, Adam Yaks. Today is June 10th, 2017. With me today is my co-host, Tom Bagush. Hi, Tom. Hey, everybody. And Adam Dominguez. Hey, D-Man. Hello. With us today is our guest, Louis Grinzebach high-end senior developer with 20 years experience who has worked in the security industry and has a thing or two to say about how code that runs our country today makes us vulnerable. And uh, hey, Louis, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. I really appreciate you making time. Let's uh, get acquainted with Louis. Louis, <laughs> what do? I'm a <laughs> software developer and systems architect um, for about 20 years now. So it's really the, the high and low of it and, you know, do all the typical nerdy things, go to the DEF cons, go to the, you know, cactus cons, and et cetera, and talk to all the people in the know. And Those are definitely cons I've heard of before. I've, <laughs> I've heard of DEF con. I've never heard of cactus con. Cactus con's a local um, security convention. They usually, it used to run out of, like, Mesa, MCC, but ever since then, I think they do Dave and Buster's now or whatever. <laughs> and you it's know. Cactus Con? They call it Cactus Con, yes. Oh my god, and we we're Critical Cactus. Oh my god. We have to get acquainted. So what do you develop in? Um, X86. Yes. Let's see, lately I've been playing with Go and Python, but PHP, Java, a little bit of C, some Perl. Um, I think it's usually about finding the right tool for the job, you know. I can make QBasic say hello world, and I don't think you really need anything else I beyond that. I think once you've learned 10 go to 10, you've learned all <laughs> there is to know, right? It's all just one giant loop. So you have a lot of experience in security because you were doing security for how long with that company? Um, I've been doing security on and off for like the last four or five years. Less on the like intrusion and more on the how do we prevent mm -hmm. and if we fail to prevent which happens um how do we respond uh, i think a lot of places they were guilty of creating this infrastructure where you know they have this huge firewall and maybe they have internal sim tools and things like that to help detect anomalous behavior but what they failed maybe is you know the people coming in and what they were doing what they were bringing in with mm -hmm. them and you know so these intrusions would happen these computers would get infected because somebody fell for a phishing scam or something like that mm -hmm. and then what do we do now we you know we never planned for the what if you know um, you saw yeah. lots of companies where their entire internal infrastructure would just get turned upside down by this i mean you know, and once that happens, it's just a matter of time before people start collecting data, and then they move that payload out, and mm -hmm. then you have like your targets or your Sony's and things like that. Mm -hmm. you know? Okay, so today we have a lot of topics that we we've been looking at in the news. We've had absolutely no time to dig into it because the news is happening so fast. Um, but I do know that we had some infrastructure news this week and budgets and things like that that was coming out. And um, since Lewis knows uh, quite a bit about security and um, our infrastructure is not all that secure, I thought it'd be really nice to talk about some of those. So Lewis, you, you're obviously very familiar with like the security of like the internet and are you kind of like a like a doctor who knows that you know all the reasons why you shouldn't smoke and you do anyway? Like, are you yourself a secure person, or do you just kind of go home and your online presence is just everywhere? 
Well, I think earlier, you know, before we started, that was one of the jokes that was being given was the fact that I don't have an online presence. I don't use Facebook. I, you know, if I do have an Instagram account or anything like that, it's simply because there's a few people I want to subscribe to, but I don't put my own information out there. I keep it, it is that is that because of security reasons, or is that just because it's not your jam? It's both. I believe that uh, security, a lot of the security that happens now is involved with phishing and mining people for information, trying to collect, um, you know, personal tidbits for, you know, brute forcing or trying to collect people's, like, security answers. I try to avoid putting that out there. I try to keep my identity to myself. So, I mean, and you see a lot of times these questions are getting harder and harder, but in turn, people are turning around and they're mining for information now. They're going out. I was joking with him earlier about Facebook quizzes. I'm like, how many security questions do you see in oh a Facebook quiz and don't even realize yeah. it? Right? And people answer because, oh, I got nothing better to do. Of course, I'd like to tell you who my favorite coach in high school was or who my first teacher was or, mm-hmm. you know, all these really random but personal bits of information. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies do that too. It seems to me that the less important a person is online, the more obsessed they are with their online security. And the more important a person is, the less obsessed they are with security. I think your experience is relative, though. I think the idea, like, say, for example, someone like myself, who I am routinely asked to come into people's critical infrastructure and work on it and participate in it, you know, for someone to get access to my credentials or understand my security questions could put their infrastructure at risk. And when you talk about important people not being involved, I think what you're just seeing is a a more systemic problem with, quote, important people. for example, maybe you take someone like Steve Jobs, not saying that he wasn't security minded, but who doesn't want to think about what shirt he puts on every morning. You know, they probably don't want to think about what security questions they're answering or what their password is. Let anyone use my password. I just have a goal I want to get to. And security is something that's blocking them. You know, I think a lot of times when mm-hmm. it comes to security, the problem is that it impedes or yes. people view it as impeding them as, you, a, as opposed to enabling. Oh, big time. Yeah. The place where I work uh, has a philosophy that you either have security or convenience, pick one. Right. Well, there's a, there's a similar saying about liberty. You can have liberty or security, pick one. Right. Right. You have the freedom to move about, or you have checks and mechanisms in place to make sure that you're who you say you are and you're doing what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do. And it's a pretty decent analogy regarding what you want to do online. Like you can be free and go do what you want to do, but you're going to sacrifice this and that. Potentially. Realize that there's someone out there that's probably more savvy than you, probably understands the systems better than you, and now with your information can do more destruction to you than you even knew was plausible. Mm-hmm. You may not even be aware of yeah, what they're It's funny doing that to. some people don't even think of uh, identity theft in the same way that we all probably do. There's some people that think of identity theft as, oh, no, they won't even be able to tell that I'm me instead of this other person pretending to be me. It's like, ah, that's really not what's happening. They're not stealing you. They're just using your credit and you know stealing things and then having you hold the bag uh, it's, it's not really like oh they're going to steal who I am <laughs> so it's a really uh, very straightforward way of looking at it but I, I do think there is to a sense the idea that you yourself are now on the hook for these things and mm-hmm. you've lost control of your actions maybe you're a very fiscally minded person not a security minded but a fiscally minded person and suddenly you're about to file bankruptcy because you've gone hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt i mean because your password was hot dog right (laughs) yeah (laughs) popcorn yeah (laughs) i you know i think one of the hardest things for me about this topic is, is i actually really struggle with like the whole online security or anonymity 
Like, I honestly just don't think I'm important enough for anyone to hack. And if I ever did, like, my losses are not going to be very high. If somebody clears out the $7 in my bank, I think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> it's it's not really about the $7 in your bank, though. It's about that um, your name being used to underwrite something and put you on the hook for something that, you know, may be beyond your means to ever accommodate or take care of, you know. And yeah. you could say, well, I'll just call up the bank and say, not me. But it doesn't work. It's that negative seven thousand dollars or seventy thousand dollars. You just bought two cars. You didn't yeah. know. You just you got rifled through a car loan system and had five people approve you for cars at once. I I would love to see somebody try and take my credit and buy two cars, or one car, or half a car. I am thirty six years old. Before I was born, somebody transposed a couple of numbers in my mother's social security number, and to this day, she still has to prove to people she's alive. <laughs> okay, that could be a little annoying. I yeah. Oddly enough, my dad actually has something similar. There's there's another him in the world, and like every time he applies for credit or something, he always has to go through the same rigmarole. Like, no, I'm not that person. I'm this person. But it doesn't really seem to have impeded him. It's more of just an annoyance, an inconvenience. Yeah. Well, what happens when you do the early ballot? You send it in, but it wasn't you. It was someone else who now voted. So you talked about fiscally. What about if you're feeling like, hey, you know, I at least I vote for the right, you know, local candidates. And then, no, you don't because somebody else already did that for you on your behalf because they changed your address to their address or whatever. There's I lots of funny ways, and that kind of leads into some of what's going on with Russia. I think it's really funny when, when you bring that up, you know, no matter what side you are on um, politically, you're always going to accuse the other side of um, possibly yeah. rigging and I think one of the things we saw in our, not this current election, but in our last election was the, one of the big things was dead voters. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and. They voted anyway. Like, I don't oh. believe they took into account live voters who may have been, you know, uh, manipulated via machine. Mm-hmm. Never mind oh, yeah. this last election where I think you saw manipulation via um, social means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What mm-hmm. do you mean? What do you mean by social means? Well, the idea that maybe fake news or news that was released in a timed fashion so that it created doubt and, you know, fear amongst voters for maybe who they would have pledged their vote for Mm -hmm. to cause them to go the other way. I mean, I don't want to get political, but obviously one of the challenges we had in this last election was the idea of, like, who won't we vote for? And because we don't want to vote for someone, you know, we start looking for all this damning evidence. And it turned out that someone was very happy to provide as much evidence as we wanted in a very time-controlled fashion to keep that burn going till that election was final. So back back on security, how secure is too secure, or how secure do you think like the average person really should be? I think the you know when you ask that kind of question, there's an assumption that we expect people to manage and maintain security. I think one of the biggest problems and one of the biggest challenges the security industry faces is trying to make security something that you don't have to think about to put those systems like for example companies like uh, like lifelock for example who Mm -hmm. they sit in the background and they're doing that monitoring for you 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 need that sort of someone watching over your shoulder and helping you without making you do it because again you don't want to pick what shirt you're wearing you don't want to pick what your passcode is going to be today or maybe you're just bad at it you know my password is one two three four thank you I like my thumbprint. The problem is, is like our data is already out there. Unless you've like, unless you've done everything in your power to maintain zero online presence, like since the beginning of time, live in a cave. And even that doesn't help. Like my identity has been stolen. I mean, I don't care, 
But my identity got stolen because I signed up for a T-Mobile account. Like their data got stolen. And then I got a letter like a year later saying like, hey, your <laughs> your stuff got stolen. And then they signed me up for like a free LifeLock account. Mm. So like there was zero control I could have done over that. That was all on their bad. And then it actually happened again. And I, I don't remember which company it was. So I've got two LifeLock accounts because my, <laughs> my information's been stolen. Oh, it was the government. Like, the U.S. government signed me up for a free LifeLock account because something got stolen from them, too. The Office of Personnel Management got hacked. Yeah, so, mm. like, you can be as paranoid as you want. I mean, unless you're going to have no phone or only buy burners or something, there's a, there's a pretty good chance that... Well, that goes into the infrastructure question, and that's a big part of what we're talking about today is the infrastructure. There's uh, our waterways, there's our garbage. There's a lot of infrastructure that needs work, but... When they talk about cybersecurity and infrastructure, they're talking about making Homeland Security and the NSA and FBI communicate better. Okay, but that's not adding a layer of security to what you're talking about. That's adding or subtracting some bureaucracy, sure, and it's it's using networks to do it and it's using technology to do it, but that's not what... It might be what senators call cybersecurity infrastructure, but it's not what security professionals call cybersecurity, you know, infrastructure. I if, think I think you've got a couple things there you're talking about though. So, you know, we want to talk about infrastructure. Are we talking about like the power grid versus like freeways? You know, so you know you you might hear our president say, Hey, I'd like to increase infrastructure and I want to make better freeways. And really I think what you should be saying is I'd like to see our like major utilities or major control systems have upgrades done to them, maybe in the terms of security. The, one of the biggest problems you see in these areas are that these systems are like 20, 30 years old. A lot of people don't even know how the machine itself works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's outdated technology, but the technology runs, I don't know, a fusion reactor. Nobody's, you know, you can't just turn it off. You know, <laughs> we're going to switch this out real quick. It'll be cool. You know, they pay high-end contractors to come in and, you know, add new hardware. And so it's not so much that there may or may not be vulnerabilities. It's like, how would you get a vulnerability in that system patched? Yeah. Like, who's going to patch that? Who's writing the software for that currently? Yeah, and it's written in Cobalt, and you've got to <laughs> figure out how to go find those people. And security was not a big concern back then. Fukushima was running Windows ME. <laughs> That's not true. (laughs) I was like immediately, wait, what? (laughs) I I, I became unsurprised. I was just like, oh, well, you know, they probably got it for free, and that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Budgets. There is, um, as far as as security is concerned, there seems to be a race um, between being secure and being convenient. So, like, we all know with, like, the whole Internet of Things, which is, like, becoming more and more prevalent. It's a big thing. Um there's like zero security. Nobody is ever thinking security when they're thinking, how do I put this thing online? And you keep reading these news articles about people who got like their washing machine hacked. And like once it's hacked, you know, then they're in your system. Yep. So is it maybe more important that we develop a strong security base first and then get all internet of things or yachts? It's not gonna happen that way. I, I think that, that you're gonna have the convenience drive the market Right, market's driven by convenience because people want shiny, and then once they find out that their shiny is insecure and actually may be introducing more problems into their lives, then they they're going to start looking at the security of that thing, and it's it's their own fault, I guess. I I don't know how to, you know. I think everything boils down to the user. I mean, the user, the person, the human, 
in the system is always the weakest link. And starting with user education is probably the best thing that you can do to protect yourself, your company. Um, I mean, we were talking about phishing emails earlier. You can have all the security you want in the world. You can't just have border gateways anymore. You have to have security throughout your entire system. Mm -hmm. And that starts with user education because security is not just something you go out and buy once and, okay, we're secure now. It's a continual process you have to integrate. You know, I've heard of companies that uh, fish their own employees, and when their employees click on that link, they get signed up for more security training. Ah, there you it's, go. You know, and, and that's, that's, that's the only way that I see doing it. I need to take a moment here to mention our sponsor, ESET Antivirus. Uh, I trust ESET. Not only does it keep, keep the system safe, but it's small. There's no bloatware. Um, it will not slow down your business servers, your desktops, your Linux, PCs, Macs. Uh, file servers, web servers. Anyway, try it out. Help us out. Uh, go to criticalcactus.net forward slash ESET and uh, secure your system. I think it was HUD over in California did this with their employees and they got in trouble because they used actual pictures and logos from inside their organization. And, the, and, and a ton of people fell for it. Like, we only fell for it because you used, you know, our logo. So, right. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the guys in North Korea know your logo. Right. <laughs> They'll be okay. They'll be sending it with that logo, too. And I, they're not thinking copyright infringement if they're hacking you. Uh, it's the <laughs> last thing on their mind. All right. So, we've already identified that big data is out there. And it's being collected on us everywhere. Every way. Everything that we do, people are collecting data on us. Mm-hmm, if, you, if you have an iPhone through Verizon, then Apple is collecting data on you. Verizon is collecting data on you. As you drive by the AT&T tower, they're collecting data on you. All of your apps on your phone are mm-hmm. going to send data back. You go to the grocery store, they monitor the MAC address that's associated with your phone via the Wi-Fi. You don't even have to connect to the Wi-Fi. And they know exactly how much time you're spending standing in front of the toothbrushes looking at a toothbrush. I think this reflects back though on what you just said, though. Why do you have this phone that has all these capabilities? Why does your phone need to, like, you know, give out GOIP locations? Why is it connecting to a cell tower, you know, every time you drive by one? You know, it's it's this convenience that you want, right, to be able to be contacted anywhere, to gather information everywhere. You know, you are basically submerging yourself online, and therefore you're creating this susceptibility, so as it were. So this is actually where you kind of start to lose me. I think that there's two paranoid... And, like, when Windows 10 came out, everyone's like, oh, my God, Windows is collecting all my information. The botnet. Yeah, like, what what information are you storing that you're afraid in, that they're going to take? And is it, like, your bank account information? I don't store my bank account information on my computer. Like, what what are they going to take from me that I that I stand to lose? And I... Your vote? Microsoft no. is going to steal my vote? The, well, I mean, Russia... That that's something that's something altogether different. Well, is it though? I mean, you're 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 saying everything from one perspective with one lens, and you're assuming that that's the lens that you need to look at this at. And if you're looking at it from a financial lens, right? No, there's only it's so not much just finances. I people. think that I think that when like Joe Average and, and I don't I think a lot of people are not so politically driven. When they're like, I don't want my computer hacked, it's because they don't want someone to find their porn stash, or they don't <laughs> want them to find their their fan fiction. I don't think they're afraid of getting their vote stolen. I I genuinely don't think that that registers on many people's oh, radars. I agree. All right, I'm so... Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Go right ahead. Uh, well, let me ask you then. Your fanfic and your porn, should I be able to mine that data? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree with Adam I this. super don't care. That if you know what kind of porn and fanfiction I'm into, 
that does not negatively impact me at all. The only it, thing it's going to do it just means you're going to get ads for. I, I would say that th- exactly. That's that's where I was going to go with this. If you know what kind of porn and you know what kind of fan fiction, you know what I'm into. Uh, you know, I'm gonna be better served online. I'm just dying to know what you're into now. I don't know. We can talk about that later <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> but like, if I see ads for tampons, it's not gonna help me. It's not gonna help me. It's not gonna help the company selling the ads. The only person that's that's making a profit is the ad company. But that's not gonna help them in the long run because they're not gonna help well, make sales for tampons. And this, you know, th- this is going down the slope that I love. It's the what's the harm slope. It's the same thing here where you talk about well, what was that girl? That there was a, it's just a prime example, that poor girl who her father found out she was pregnant before she told them because the ads were saying, Hey, here's this plan B, plan B, you know, things well, that's and her just dad was poor like, internet Wait, usership. Like learn to incognito uh, mode. Uh, okay, which gets but, back to user education. Uh, it, yeah. it could Wait, be, but she's but thirteen said years old. Incognito mode, right? What harm was there in anyone knowing anything? What what harm is there in a profile that she looks up Plan B? Now, I I want to mm. point out too that this is a double sided coin or a double edged sword, whatever your two sides. We could do a double double sharp coin. The privacy, the security camp, uh, it all usually breaks down into two sides that you know people are like well i don't care what i'm doing online i'm not doing anything wrong and the government will agree with you and say well yeah if you're not doing anything wrong we should have crypto backdoors into all your software Mm -hmm. however i also agree with the privacy advocates because just because i'm not doing anything wrong in the bathroom everybody knows what i'm doing in there anyway doesn't mean that i want a webcam in there yeah what you're doing in the bathroom is wrong (laughs) there's nothing wrong with reddit it's okay (laughs) wrong and illegal are two different things but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just because, I mean, there is a difference between privacy and secrecy, and I don't want a webcam in my bathroom. Do you think that it would be okay? And see, this is, I think a lot of people will, this metaphor of like our physical life and our virtual life, right? If I said, every day when you go to work, I'm going to let the cops walk through your house. You're not doing anything wrong. It's not a big deal. They just want to make sure they're establishing a baseline of what you do and what's going on in your house to make sure that that neighborhood's safe. It's for you. I could be a terrorist. Right. You could be a terrorist, right? So we're going to have cops come through your house. They'll do it when you're not home. Yep. They won't touch anything. It's not going to hurt you at all. Mm -hmm. Are you against that? Yes. Why? I have a right to privacy. Yeah, there's the weirdness of it, right? Because so we're okay with giving all the data, and you're saying that that data, you don't care. You're not assuming privacy on that data. What what if it's... Right. Well, I'm I'm trying really hard. And maybe that's the distinction, is you have to understand that anything you do online isn't private. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's based off your usage and what you do. You could keep that private. You could run it over an onion network. You could try. You could do all kinds of different things. Trust me, there are ways you of anonymizing and there are ways of being secure. They're not always mutually inclusive of each other. But there are lots of great tools out there. If you really want to do nothing but be anonymous online, you can do that. I don't believe you. But I I feel <laughs> I feel that the difference between like your internet pr- privacy and the whole letting cops walk through your house are two totally different things. Like when people are mining your data, like the the big companies like Microsoft, Amazon, they're not trying to find out like what you're into to make sure that you're not a terrorist. They're just trying to sell you crap. And it's all algorithms anyway. It's not like somebody's actually looking at that data. And honestly, in my opinion, those people that are mining your data for targeted ads are actually hurting themselves. I've always been against targeted ads because it does not help me as a consumer actually make informed decisions. So like, let's say I look up Henry's razors. 
all of my ads for like the next week are all going to be about freaking razor blades. Like yes. I've already made my decision. Yeah. Those ads aren't going to help me. A lot me. of times I'll buy it so that I'll stop getting the ad and it just doesn't work. You still get the ad. You're like, oh, I like, spent money on it. And I, I don't, even, I don't even care about it anymore. Like it was a 20 second thing that I looked up and I bought not based off of ads. And maybe I'm like unique in this, but advertising no, doesn't no. really work on me. No, they're still fig- but they're figuring it out. That's the thing is they're, 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 they're young in this new industry, all the advertisers are are new. There's doing re-ads. If you've ever been to the website before, if you go to a Chevy dealership and you go to their website, well, the next thing you know, you're at some other site and you still see the Chevy thing. That's happening. That's that's uh, Google's playing with their ad types. There's a lot of learning going on there. It's like watching a deer be born. You know, they're awkward and their legs aren't moving right. And that's the way the advertising is today. But trust me, in the next 10 years, it's going to get better. And you're going to go, how the hell did you know that honeycomb... And it's already at your door. You're just like, they knew I wanted honeycombs before I even knew it. So much so that they're at my door, ringing my doorbell, going, here's your, you know, with milk poured. Wow. Here's your... They're going to figure it out. How is that a bad thing? This, I know. Yeah. Well, then, this sold. is where we're headed. <laughs> all right. You know what? Security sucks. I'm all about honeycombs <laughs> at my door. You know, call, you call up Amazon, get the clicker, and the moment <laughs> the that clicker. your, your okay. uh, full, food runs out, you just push the button. Full new dis- honeycomb next day. Full mm-hmm. disclosure, I work for Amazon. Yeah. 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 There we go. Well, and they have... Do they have the Amazon refrigerator yet where it looks at everything in your fridge to determine whether or not you need something? Well, Samsung like, oh, does that. Oh, milk is almost done. There, no, it's not Amazon branded, but there are smart refrigerators that will do that. Oh, that's so cool. Well, is but that if you don't get those, you can still get the, I don't remember what they're called. They're the badges that yeah, have Yeah, I know you're talking You just about. put them on your the, fridge. The and dash button. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one yeah. It brings me gum. Yeah. So is that is that an invasion of my privacy or is that my it's convenience the, at it's work? It's the evolution of us getting out of the cave and we're, we're, we're moving further and I further think, away from being gay. I think privacy is a myth and I don't think it's just online privacy. Like the thing is, is in small towns, everybody knows your business. So all the internet has really done is made the world one big small town because like, like I don't know if you are all always living in a metropolis, but if you go to like small town USA, you cannot literally do anything without it becoming public knowledge. And it doesn't matter how secret you try and keep it. Somebody's going to find out, and then everybody's going to find out. And it's always been that way. As long as there's one person or two people, one person's going to want to know what the other person is doing. That's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. Well, we're a hive. We're a bee. We're a big beehive. Blah. Yeah, there's we're one big organism that that's called the human race. And you know, we as individuals think we see the world a certain way, but you know, as the whole organism, we see the world in a completely different way. I like to think of us as a virus. Yeah. Or a big bacteria. Sure. Who knows how long it'll take until the bacteria takes out its host. So since all of our information is out there mm-hmm. and we know that things online are unfortunately inherently not very secure, uh, will we ever be moving to, say, online voting? Yes, I'm sure we will. I mean, in my opinion, yes. Um, and how do we make sure that's secure? There are countries that do online voting. Mm-hmm. Some say it's more secure because you have to look at security as what your alternative options are in a lot of cases. If you do a VPN, if you do the same thing with a code that's now text to your phone that says, hey, you also have to have your, your username, your password, and your phone. Your phone's going to get a text. 
Well, so that means you, you know, someone else would have to have your phone. You put all those phases into effect for uh, a vote. Which and brings us to our next sponsor, LastPass. <laughs> we can throw sponsors off. I actively this. use them too. I love yeah, them. No, I, I, love I do LastPass. too. Yeah. I'm just waiting for them to get hacked. I'm like, oh. I, I like to use Google's <laughs> password memory because it stores what? it as a text document. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to slap you. <laughs> like plain text. Oh, here you go. I, I honestly don't care. I, I really do use Google's like. It sounds, password. you know, when I hear that, it sounds a lot like the um, the anti-vaxxer argument. The herd immunity, just not a real thing. No, no, don't really need to worry about it's, it. It's not because it's not for you. It shouldn't be for everybody. It's not that it's not a real problem. I just genuinely don't care. For you, right? But, but would you advocate for others to, to to lead their lives a certain way? So I would because community. I think I think most people are poorly informed or ill-informed misinformed on purpose even knowing what i know and having witnessed that it still does not prompt me to be more mindful of my security and i don't know why i have such a cavalier attitude um maybe it's because i feel like nothing's really going to harm me if i do and like i said i've had my my identity stolen and i wish they would have wrecked my credit because i did that really well on myself (laughs) then i would just blame somebody else you were cracking your knuckles and sounded like you were just come on in I'm just considering the things that you're saying. It's like saying, you know, who needs brakes? I've already wrecked my car. Okay, yeah, it works. I mean, I, I, not to say that you know, you, you know, your non-cavalier attitude is is wrong either. I mean, the idea that oh, you know, he's the contrarian. Oh, he's fluid. He's fluid from. He will just take the opposite of whatever it is you're saying. So if you start saying you don't like security, all of a sudden he'll love security. Just so you know, that's I'm kind the same of way. weird. Yeah, you've yeah. done me for yeah, a while. You guys have done this, and the two of you are the same. I liked what you were saying earlier, though, Lewis, about uh, um, it wasn't uh, election fraud and it wasn't voter fraud. It was, uh, I don't know, what did you say? It was voter manipulation. Social manipulation. Yeah, social manipulation of the voters. That's when everyone says hacking the Russians, like, oh, you know, and, and Putin comes out and goes, we didn't hack American computer. It's true. They didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, they may have hacked into and pulled information from, but they didn't hack into our voting system. No, they didn't have to. Right. And all they had to do was get into the DNC, which is definitely what they did. Well, that was just to expose key demographic information. You know, that information that who cares, right? Because it's just commodified information. I think they got emails. Today's episode is brought to you by one in one Web Hosting. With managed cloud hosting options, you can run your company, your website, your blog, or fully hosted stack of servers, including Linux and Windows. We love WordPress here at Critical Cactus, and uh, the WordPress community around one in one is a deep well of knowledge that can keep your site new and relevant for years to come. What we need you to do is go to criticalcactus.net forward slash one in one. Go there, set up your site. We know you have ideas that will change the world. Don't hesitate. Go there and start today. Thank you so much for your help with this. Now, back to the show. Hey, Lewis, what's the biggest thing we need to be worried about right now? I think people should quit worrying about the big picture right now and start focusing on themselves. Mm. I think until we learn to focus on our own individual security, we can't get upset about infrastructure security. I mean, it's important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that infrastructure security is not important. But if we don't even know how to secure ourselves or how to treat information securely on an individual basis, like why, why, why should we expect people in general to be concerned about infrastructure security other than, you know, somebody special is going to take care of that for me? It's like people thinking that, you know, when we elect a president, he'll be surrounded by enough intelligent people that he could do no harm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, if we don't, if if when we're hiring security experts, if we don't actually understand what security is, then how do we know we're we're you know hiring qualified individuals? How do we know we're putting them on the right problem? No, well, we've had thirty years of developers developing our quote unquote infrastructure with um, no security really in mind. I mean, if I'm if if the the picture I have of somebody bidding for a job that's a government job to do an infrastructure, let's say for the emergency. Uh, Sirens. That was a big hack a couple months ago was the sirens that went off in, I think it was Texas. Um, that infrastructure code was done by, you know, the lowest bidder, and they're trying to make it work. They're trying to make it function. They get all the testing all revolves around, hey, does it work? And when everybody says yes, it's all good, all of the features and functions that we want to have it work, work. Nobody goes through it and says, but can I hack it? Certainly not 20, 30 years ago. 40 years ago, potentially. 50 maybe sometimes we're talking you know cobalt old old code but if all this infrastructure is put in place with the idea of it functions and no idea of security um how in the world do you secure that i i want to hear what you said which is the individual needs to be you know concerned about what they're doing in their lives but is there a concern about infrastructure or is it the concern the big concern the individual across the board, everybody individually. Well, I think we're talking about multiple kinds of attacks and security here, right? So you're talking about like state actors, maybe they want to attack our infrastructure, but more so, you know, you start looking at these criminal organizations, which may also be Mm. state run where they're just trying to steal monetary value from us. And those will typically come at the individual level. That'll be the, the phishing and things like that, where they're going out trying to steal your identity, generate revenue from you that they can then pour back into their own country. But so is is personal security, I hate to say this, but is it that important compared to like, um, like Adam mentioned, infrastructure security? Like, should we be more worried about how secure like our power grid is or like the like the traffic monitoring systems? Hospitals. Hospitals. Well, the big news was the, you know, the UK and the um, ransomware. Okay, so that recently, that's that's a really great point. So let's talk about um, the the cry virus that went around through uh, the UK. Um, Wanna cry? Wanna cry? Right. Mm-hmm. A and massive disappointment. How that happened? Right. That didn't happen because necessarily the secu- the hospital security was poor. It happened because individuals clicked things. Yeah. Because individuals were unaware of security. You know, a lot of a lot of things that happen are because individuals aren't aware of security. They don't take the proper steps as an individual to make sure that, you know, the things that they're doing online are safe and secure. And so, therefore, they begin to expose the infrastructure around them. Um, like, for example, there's a company I work at right now, and one of the things that they're, they tout a lot is the idea that they're going to help keep your employees safe. And by keeping your employees safe, you may prevent a breach on that layer. I think that's important, you know, if you, yeah. you know, as an infrastructure, as a, as a company, being able to prevent intrusion on that layer will that stop everything? No, no, you know, no, but no. But yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're onto something there with the security. Um, some of the interesting things I was digging through, and some of our audience might be interested in the weeds that the cyber weeds that we're going to get into here for a minute. Um, we're going to geek out. So 
when uh, somebody makes this link that gets emailed, this phishing link, um, they might do targeted linking or targeted uh, phishing, that's spear phishing they call it, where they actually know who they're sending to, they know who that person usually sends emails to. They might have done some digging through resumes or whatever it might be to figure these things out, but they'll figure it out. Um, and they target this person and they try to make, well, they know where they bank or they know something specific that will make them click on this. Um, it can be really, really hard for somebody who's used to getting an email that says, here's your daily whatever, and to just not realize, oh, wait, when I click on it this time, it's going to take me to a different URL and I'm going to, you know, infect myself. Um, but the systems underneath are going to be, let's say it's a fire department or an emergency service or whatever. They're, they're, let's say they're running Windows XP or they're running, you know, Windows 95. <laughs> if they're running something that's just not patched, um, a lot of the big news that I heard was that the um, the other the countries in Europe that were really impacted were running things that weren't even licensed. They were trying to have unlicensed OSs, and those unlicensed OSs are not getting updates, and they're you know they're vulnerable still. These people that are creating these emails not only will target them, but they will find out what kind of antivirus they do have deployed in those places, and they will make sure that their stuff makes it passes through that antivirus. They can do that by looking again at job postings and say, well, if the IT person who needs to work there needs to have special, you know, uh, knowledge of this antivirus or that antivirus, they go, oh, okay, well, I know what kind of antivirus they're running. Now I want to make put that same antivirus on my computer, send myself that same email, make sure I can compose it in such a way that it passes through that that antivirus. I'm really, really targeting this. And this is state actor stuff. This is not some guy who's trying to do this. This is going to have to be well-funded. Somebody who has a lot of resources is going to be doing some spear um, fishing in this particular case. Um, that's not as easy to train the individual for. That's going to be, hopefully, the trust that you have in your infrastructure. I think you described a couple things there, though, yep. that are um, foretelling, right? So. Let's take a company like Microsoft, right? Mm -hmm. And they have an invested interest in creating the software and distributing it. And one of the values that they provide are these software patches. Now you've decided, mm -hmm. in the name of convenience or cost, to go ahead and take the software and use it without a license. Yeah. Well, at that point, you've started making decisions for convenience. And you've said, well, I don't need the automatic patches. I don't need this sort of thing. Or the vendor that that particular government agency used to do that particular bid did that. Yeah. And the, it's possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's Yeah. So, you know, and then you talk about things like antivirus. Antivirus wouldn't have stopped WannaCry. Um, malware might ha malware protection might have, but antivirus won't because it wasn't a virus. It was, it's just a, you know, it's something that's going to modify your file system, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. I just, I get concerned because you say, you know, they are just running these things and we should expect, I, I don't know how you can expect an infrastructure where they're using software that's not being patched and updated to be secure. So I, I have a question. Um, why is it that with the, the internet, everybody wants to keep the wild west wild? People obviously can't be trusted to <laughs> monitor or govern themselves in real life. There's a reason why we have government. There's a reason why we have a police force. Why is there no such thing as the internet police? Like we, I know we have like the FBI and and you know what they do. That's but, an interesting idea. But why is there not a government mandated internet like monitor? I really think this comes down to that worldview we talked about before. If you have this worldview, and and some people go to the Grand Canyon and they're like, oh, there's no rail there. I could totally fall. Yeah, this isn't 
This is nature. You're going to fall to your death at the Grand Canyon if you're not careful. There's no Grand Canyon police guy who's going to run up and grab you right before you fall down. There's nothing there. there. You're a human being on the planet, and what your worldview is is that you expect certain things like Disneyland. You know, like every corner that I turn around is going to be padded and I'm not going to hurt myself. All these things are part of that worldview where but you go to the internet, you're like at the Grand Canyon. You're going to fall off the edge if you're not careful. Even in the Grand Canyon, though, there's at least a token force. I mean, they've got park rangers there. I grant you that there's way more guests than there are park rangers. Well, but you haven't hiked the Grand Canyon. Well, You've no. gone to the Grand Canyon. Right. looked over the visitor center and said, ooh, cool. But you go hike for five five minutes and th- you're in danger. Well, you're just taking your own life in your own hands. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about is where do you expect that safety net to stop? But so, there so. is no safety net on the internet. Like I said earlier, it is the Wild West. Yeah. You just do whatever you That's want. That's what made me think the way I am right now is maybe the worldview argument that we need to have here is what do, what do people actually think is responsible that, that the internet, quote unquote, or the infrastructure or the government or the bidder, the, the, the vendor, the people who made the product, all the way down the line, who, at what point do we say, oh, well, that was the person that should have been responsible for this particular security thing, as opposed to the functionality. When something doesn't work on your iPhone, you go, oh, this doesn't work on my iPhone. It's function failed. They better get an update for that. It'll update will come out, and boom, the function gets, you know, gets fixed. But when security's bad, who do you... I think it's really interesting that you bring up the the Grand Canyon. I think it's a really great metaphor. So let's talk about the the Grand Canyon and the Internet as if they were the same thing. Um, We talked earlier and said that one of the things that we need is maybe more security education for people, right? Maybe the idea that, you know, you know, if you stand on the edge, you might fall in. Having that cognizance about yourself is would be very valuable, right? And I think the thing you'll see is if enough people fall in, if enough people are susceptible, you know, have susceptible situations mm-hmm. due to not being um, guardrails there and dying, they'll eventually create guardrails in those locations. They'll just do that out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, we as people sometimes do that for each other even. You know, it's, and I think that's, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the West is going to de- evolve, you know, like the Internet's going to evolve, but how many people are going to fall off the edge between now and then? When there are bumpers at every corner and people can, you know, not worry about voting online or banking online or or emails getting linked to Assange, Assange or whatever his name is, WikiLeaks is going to take all this information and just throw it out there. I'm a proponent of open information, um, regardless of which side it comes on. But uh, when when it when it comes to my information, <laughs> I'm not as much of a proponent of getting all of it out there. Like, yeah, just take all my information and throw it out there. No. No, I'm okay with it when it's somebody else's information, <laughs> but not my own. Well, and I, I think that's almost everybody's mentality. And I mean, you can you really have it both ways? Should you have unlimited access to WikiLeaks, but nobody should have access to your information? I mean, how is that fair? Life ain't fair. I I don't understand. I think you've got a scoping issue there. Um, Go on. Like, what is the what is the scope of an individual and you know my private information and a company's, you know, or a government's? Or government's plans. I just I don't think those are the same thing. Well, I mean, like your data is not private, right? Because everybody is, as you'd mentioned earlier, everybody's farming it from your phone, your computer, your phone calls. Um, is it is it more important that you don't share any of your information, even though it's not to actual other people? You know, we're just talking robots here. Is is your privacy from those algorithms more important than your ability to consume that information that's provided via like WikiLeaks? 
let's let's step aside and let's think about something like say some other kind of intrinsic right we think we have like let's say guns right that's fun we're all, we're all in the United no. States and, yeah, yeah we won't cause any trouble with it keep, keep <laughs> let's, going let's talk about guns right and so the idea is if you have this this gun you know that's your right you're allowed to have that that's that's you right right um, why should the government come in and say you can or can't have that why does the government need to know you have that you know what who are they protecting with that I think the same thing goes with your information. What what are the, what good do they have by creating a profile on you or having that profile on you? And why do they need to? Why do they need to be that involved with you? Well, nice. I, th- I think the gun analogy gets back to what Adam Yaks was saying too. Is like, who's responsible? Is it the manufacturer? Is it the owner? Is it the seller? Is it the gun shop down the street? Is it the guy who sold you the bullets? Or is it the owner who's responsible for that for particular level of security? Uh, and I, I, in that scenario, it's uh, to me, it's easy. It's the it's the gun owner's responsibility to take the safety lessons and know how to use get it and get certified and, and you know make sure that they're not going to shoot the wrong person at the wrong time. Um, I I think that's an, that's an easier answer. So does that mean that it translate well? You know, translates well to the internet and saying okay each individual user just needs to you know be responsible take the training do that possibly but my big problem is i can train myself to drive a car right i can take classes i can do all the things and i can drive a car which the government requires for they you to do, do but there are certain things in infrastructure that i expect to have if i'm going 65 miles an hour which i'm probably going more like 80 because it's let's say it's you know let's be real let's be realistic i'm cruising and I see in the dark, uh, in the middle of the you know freeway, I see nothing but white lines ahead of me, and I'm just going down the road. It might curve, whatever it's doing. But I have a lot of trust in that infrastructure. Not just whether the road curves and everything, but the distance between the two lanes, the, the actual gap I have. The fact that I'm driving on the right, and they're driving on their right, and that we're not going to hit each other. There's a lot of infrastructure things that are in, the, that are, they're in place. Then I can learn how to drive my car. My question is, is the infrastructure in place? And I think I keep arguing that it's not because I I don't think there's a lot of cobalt developers trying to figure out how the guy in Texas was able to make all those alarms go off. You know, I mean, he just freaked everybody out. What's going on? Is this a new? It was like five hours of this alarm going <laughs> off in the city. And... Nobody could turn it off, and nobody thought to turn it off because they thought it was legitimate. What is it? Is it a is it a tornado? Is it a bomb? What what's going on? And so, it freaks people out. And when you freak people out, you can do things at the right. What if that was something that happens during a polling station opening for an election? Maybe a local election doesn't matter. What impact is something like that going to have? It's not benign to say that. Oh, we just hacked this one loudspeaker. No, it's pretty you, important. You could only do that in the other party's teams or the, the other... Yeah, you could decide yeah. what you want to do. You can close freeways with telling the infrastructure of the roads to say, oh, this no, you got to get off the freeway now. There's a lot of things so you can do. The question is then, isn't really, should people be more educated? It's Is there even enough security in the first place? Like, are the people in charge of what they're doing doing enough for their security for us to actually learn See, I think you're hitting the the weak part of your worldview immediately when you're like, oh, the people who should be in charge. Go on. I don't think there's anybody in charge. Right. So, <laughs> this l- is the Wild West. Let me let me intercept here. So I, I, I understand, you know, we've got 
two two components that we're talking about here is the internet is the wild west and we're talking about the idea of there being a police right so the internet is a wild west is global yeah right now who do you want to police your internet china <laughs> team Russia. america so team america has been policing the internet since the 70s okay so maybe not team america like maybe the united nations okay so then what they tell china to get over it and drop their firewalls yes so that the people can just browse the way they want to in china they tell turkey don't turn the internet off when you're having an uprising because that was what they did well but there is no global police um so you know maybe it should fall to the local governments well that's what local governments do anyway they they police their own uh usage look at iran look at hell ethiopia turned off the internet in the entire country for the college entrance exams so that students couldn't look up the answers. Mm-hmm. So, see, when I thought you said local governments, I thought you meant like like Phoenix or Tucson or, or Maricopa or Arizona. Oh my God, that would be a tragedy. <laughs> would it? I mean, if Arizona could filter out the content it didn't want to have come into Arizona, dangerous content, malicious content. Somebody gets to decide that though, and it's John McCain. Oh, man. Now you've got a, a, a man on a man on a mission to stop all the bad content coming into your state. Oh, look at, my look at the UK trying to block porn. You know, I mean. So, so I think we're conflagrating two things here, right? One is um, the idea that information wants to be free on the Internet, right? Yeah. And maybe information should be free. But then there's the other FTP sites, command and control type situations. One of the big things that Russia did during the Cold War was flood us with false information about what they were doing in their own country. They didn't just have the Iron Curtain to keep us from seeing what's going on in there. But once you got past the Iron Curtain, you saw a whole bunch of false information. Lots of false information. This we, idea of fake news is not new. Can I get an example? And it's very specific to Russia, too. I happen to have one right here. On July 17, 1983, a small pro-Soviet Indian newspaper called The Patriot published a front-page article titled AIDS May Invade India, Mystery Disease Caused by U.S. Experiments. The story cited a letter from an anonymous but, quote, well-known American scientist and anthropologist, unquote, that suggested AIDS, then still a mystery and deadly new disease, had been created by the Pentagon in a bid to develop new biological weapons. This is the Soviet disinformation campaign. Not only are they have, do they have information that is hard for us to decipher from the outside looking back at them, but they're also seeding bad information about us throughout the world during the Cold War. This is not an unusual thing for them. This is fake news, normal, everyday thing. Just need to take a quick break to mention our sponsor, eCampus. Do you have textbooks? Well, sell them. Shipping is free. Uh, Get paid or get an in-store credit for books that you need for the next class that you have. Uh, Go to criticalcactus.net forward slash eCampus and sell your books today. Now back to the show. Speaking of security, uh, who's looking at me while I'm looking at the TV? There's There's a camera on my TV. It is true. They... The they. The they, the infamous they. Yes. Companies, manufacturers, uh, whatever. They are going to monetize everything that they can possibly monetize from your TV. So you think it's the manufacturer that's looking at you? Well, I think, I think it's it. a, a large conglomeration because you, buy, you go out and you buy a Samsung smart TV mm-hmm. you know, that's running Android that you're doing internet searches through. 
all of that data is getting collected on you and sent somewhere. And then we go out and we buy devices like Amazon Alexa that literally oh, listen listens to, to everything, everything we say. Now, they say that... Um, she it, didn't hear it, you say that, did she? It doesn't no, record okay. what you're saying until it hears the keyword. Only when it Supposedly. hears the keyword, yeah. it's, you know... But it was listening for the keyword. Right, it was listening so it was for listening. the keyword. You know, so you, you give up privacy for convenience. You give up privacy for features, for new features. and. But if it's okay for me to have these private conversations in my house... I can have private conversations. Let's say I'm uh, one of two men living in a house and we are, uh, let's just just say these two men are together sexually and that that is known by Alexa because Alexa can hear it and hears the conversations we're having and, you know, basically hears the love of two men living in a house. Right. Um, Does does anyone who makes policy changes based on that, which I know would never happen in America, nobody would make policy changes based on the fact that somebody is homosexual. But if in some strange world that that ever did happen, uh, would Alexa share that information with the right people who have a budget in a campaign or political party or is there any of that going on you know if if like let's take saudi arabia for example where it's illegal to be gay um you know and the saudi government then says okay if you want to bring your alexa services into saudi arabia you have to agree to these terms and then then it's going to fall on amazon whether or not they want to make uh, a deal you know it's like all right do we want to give this information over to the saudi government is is having our services in that country worth it to us? Some companies will say yes, and mm-hmm. some companies will say no. And then where do you draw the line? And then you, you know. This is the this is the irony of going back to the commodification thing, and the privacy thing, um, or what we were talking about earlier, where I was like, ah, I don't care, I got nothing to hide. So then, because you had used the analogy of the police officers coming in your house looking through things while you're not there. When the not so much of an analogy is the fact that there are devices looking and listening already. Very Big Brother. I mean, not yeah. to, I hate that term, but yes. that's really where you're going there is like that whole Big Brother thing. You now have listening devices. Well, my question devices. to the to everyone here is, you know, how, if we are the, there are a lot of people do not know, this is a worldview thing. This is one of those pillars that's in your house that's keeping certain pieces of your house up there. Is, is is this something that we really do need to worry about? If, if, from what you're saying is, uh, Tom, you're saying that there's there's uh, <laughs> manufacturers that might be listening so that they can figure out a way to monetize advertisements or something yes. like that. Um, but is there, and I was kind of alluding to the fact there could be a political reason why somebody might want to do that. How realistic are those though? I mean, knowing that there are laws in place that stop that, how realistic is it they're going to break those laws anyway? So I, th- I think what's going to happen, if, if I may, I think the, the big thing here is we're talking about a lot of information, right? You know, To think that every yeah. TV in the United States is monitoring and dumping a video feed back into some Chinese basement somewhere is probably not as um, likely as you know, we're willing to think. Because there's not enough computational China could power. put four or five people... 24-7 watching just you sure. from a population but perspective. Try to keep your company stand or your country standing <laughs> I'd up. They would, but right, yeah. exactly. So I but I do think in very targeted scenarios, right? If we normalize this, and this is where, you know, you talk about someone like me who has nothing to hide, but I go through a great 
you know, mm-hmm. a good length to make sure that I keep myself offline. It's, it's a slippery slope, right? If I start saying, yeah, it's totally okay that there's a camera in my house. Why, why do I need to patch that? Why should I be insulted or outraged by that? Mm. You know, it's okay that I put Alexa in my house. It's convenient for me now. You, you know, I now have that personal. And you put it there. Well, right. I, yeah. What if it became mandate that you kept it there? Then suddenly you're upset, even though it's very convenient for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were you were okay with it before, but when they told you you have to, then all of a sudden, saying, you know, I don't like the big arching conspiracy theory stuff. I really am not a conspiracy theory guy. I don't think that there's anybody gathering this information. So when you talk to a lot of people about hackers, right, they probably think there's this lone Chinese or this lone Russian sitting in a room. I don't know, Doritos and Mountain Dew, just throw a million <laughs> stereotypes in there, and right? Trump says he's 400 pounds, yeah. Right, right, and he's just sitting there banging away at a keyboard, and that's really not how state-sponsored hacking works, right? If you become this target, they have teams that work you and work individuals as a whole. What will end up happening is you'll have multiple tiers where, you know, the first row is a, the first tier is phishing, and they're going out and looking for susceptibilities. And then maybe they find something interesting. Oh, we found a senator. Or, oh, we found, I don't know, a crosswalk guard that's near the senator. You know, any number of things. Mm-hmm. And then they elevate that up to another team. And it keeps elevating through these teams until finally you've got someone very focused on you. And then you do have that. They don't have four on you. They have one. But he knows that what TV you have. And, you know, he's already worked out how to get into that. He's worked how to get into your cameras and that sort of thing. And while that sounds very paranoid and delusional, the fact is this is, this is an individual. Hacking into your webcam is probably better and faster, and I can do it for everybody in the well, county. A, but yeah, it makes me think of a lot of things. The things that people put up on Facebook is a big one. Yeah. You know, uh, oh, I want to be out of town. You know, next week. So yeah. please rob me. Or <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm currently out of town. Look at me. I'm in the Bahamas. Like oh. Oh, here's a picture of their backyard, which has that tree. Oh, I have a pretty good idea. Oh, there's the front yard. Oh, there's the there's oh, the actual street sign. Street view. I now I can do, street view. Yeah, now, yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a drone flying well within decent parameters of a neighborhood, and there was nothing wrong with it. I'm flying this drone around, and this guy got very upset, came in with his gun, you know, um, came in upset about my camera looking in his yard, and I thought, that's... I don't have the resolution with this camera that Google Earth does. So, I mean, but I can certainly go online right now and go to Google Earth and look at your backyard and see what you have in your backyard way easier than I could have through my drone. Uh, the information that's out there is just ridiculous. And you can black out your yard. I don't know. You guys can do that. You can go to Google and say, hey, black, black out. We did that once. Oh, that's street view. That. You can request street view blackouts as well. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, little paranoid things that you can do. So it's, it's funny, though. You talk about this gentleman coming to your house with this gun, right? Well, he and, yeah, where I was at the time. Yeah. And he says, hey, you know, you're taking pictures of my yard. Yeah. And I don't like that because is, is that wrong? Are you stipulating? No. Like, no. I mean, I told him, okay, I didn't realize I was bothering you. I pulled it down and I, you know, said I won't do that again. You know, sure. I mean, even though I had the right and there's no law that I'm breaking, I just thought I didn't realize I was hurting somebody's feelings. So once I realized that, you know, some people are sensitive to that. Some people aren't. Some people are. Yeah, so it's okay. You know, I live in a red state. I'm expecting that. I'm expecting some people <laughs> to be a little sensitive. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the reality, though, right? That you're now video recording him. He doesn't know what you're doing with this. He doesn't know what why you're doing this, mm-hmm. right? Why, why are you flying a drone in my yard? He doesn't realize you're maybe just doing it recreationally and you had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I wasn't yard. in his yard anywhere near. I was a block away from his particular house. But yeah, yeah. He didn't like seeing the thing up in the sky. He's afraid, he's scared. 
I just attributed it all to fear, but I'm not going to say your fear is not warranted or I don't care about your fear. I, right. I, I have love in my heart for all of the people, and I sure. think, hey, you know what? If that's bothering you, I'm not going to do it again. And then I talked bad about him after I walked away. <laughs> this is my right. Yes. But I, so I didn't I didn't put it up again, you know, and uh, not too long later, I Craigslisted out that drone and off it went. I didn't need it anymore. <laughs> I couldn't use it anymore. So that's how that story went. I was thinking about what you said about the state-sponsored hacking. Some of the things that come of that, though, are scripts, the the easy-to-use scripts that get put out there and somebody can quickly, they call it Script Kitty. You can go in there and pull out whatever you want, and all of a sudden you, with no information on how signal hopping works on a Wi-Fi, can all of a sudden just you know go through it. You have no idea the cryptolo- cryptography involved, but yet you can break it. All these things come about because of state-sponsored efforts. It, it is pretty amazing to me how, at one point in time, you know, script kiddies were, "Hey, I've got a Perl script that'll do some brute force hacking." Mm-hmm. To now, I mean, several years later, where oh, the NSA-sponsored, yeah, you know, uh, big ones, the Cry, right? The Cry virus. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's from an NSA. It exploit. uses two. It uses well, the the Cry is something malware related, and you know that is homegrown, and it was really crap. You know, really done very cheap and really bad, actually. But the what the payload they had inside it was two NSA specific exploits that came out of uh, WikiLeaks. It's just scary because now you've got just a schmuck who has no idea what he's doing. It was really easy for them to un, you know to reverse engineer that, and you've got really sophisticated stuff happening underneath that person had no idea about. And that's state-sponsored, not North Korea. That's not state-sponsored China. That's state-sponsored U.S. That's exactly. the NSA. Well, I, I feel bad for all the hospitals now over there that were over yeah, in the, the UK, UK that went yeah. down yeah. for they days. Did. They did. They did go down. That's, in, that's crazy. I what if you need license. an internet license? <laughs> the license to internet? The license to get to information? That's, that a, that's would a whole new kind of blocking. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, Talk man. about a slippery slope. Is it a bad idea, Wait, though? Uh, no, it's not. If your first question is, okay, how much money do you make? Right. And then they get to decide <laughs> based on any criteria, like, okay, no, uh, what you, color is your hair? You have a, you have a, a physical... God given, born with right for read access, but if you're going to have right access, there you go. You got to take a oh, test. Oh, I love it. I love okay, it. I'm, I'm actually super. <laughs> we on would board not with that. be. We would not be online <laughs> if they did that test. <laughs> I'm telling you what, this would not be accepted. iTunes would be like, oh, I'm sorry, you have definitely not passed the test. So, what do you think? Do you think the government should be responsible for protecting all of its citizens online? Do you think the government should be responsible for protecting us from ourselves and our own mistakes? It's a great question, and I, I, I like asking the listeners that question and having them come to the website, criticalcactus.net, and see if they can't uh, you know, chime in on the subject, and we can talk a little bit about what the listeners had to say about the subject uh, next week. Okay, um, and what are we going to thank NASA for ooh. today? Thanks, NASA. Well, thanks, NASA, for the camera phone. We thanks, really NASA. Thanks, thanks for the NASA. selfie. Wait, unthanks, NASA, for the selfie. I do want to thank <laughs> our our co-host as well as our guests. Thank you, Lewis, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Anytime. I would like to thank our guests, uh, the sponsors, and more importantly, you, the listeners. We would not be able to do this podcast without your help. We have started a Patreon account so uh, to help keep us going. Um open your browser and go to patreon.com forward slash critical cactus your donations uh, will help keep us going thank you for coming see you next time das